We are continuing our study in 1 Thessalonians, and we are still in the first part of chapter 3. As we were going through the first 8 or 9, 10 verses last week, I mentioned verse 8, how it kind of stuck out to me, because Paul is talking about, I've been worried because I know that you all are going through persecutions for your faith, so when I couldn't stand it any longer, I sent Timothy to you. And in verse 6, Timothy's just now come back to us from you, and he's brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us, that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. And then the phrase that stuck out to me, for now we really live. I like that. Now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. He said, I'm feeling better and I'm really living because you are standing firm in the Lord. And as you keep reading, as we will here in a minute or two, I, I, I was trying, you could really look at it in two different ways. Paul is either telling us how to really live or he's telling us here are some insights to help you keep standing firm in the Lord and he ties them together as you stand firm in the Lord you will really live when your faith is wavering when you're tossed back and forth like the waves of the sea that's not really living but when you are standing firm in the Lord you can really live. So let's continue to read, starting in verse 9, how we can really live, how we can stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. How can we really live? How can we stand firm in the Lord. First thing he says, be grateful. How can we thank God enough for you because of the joy that we have because of you? If we're going to really live, if we're going to stand firm in the Lord, we have to live a life of gratitude. We have to be grateful. And I want to look at two different things about that. The first thing is I want to ask you a question. Is anyone thankful for me? You know, here's Paul getting the word back about the Thessalonian believers, and he's saying, I'm thankful because of you. And I remember several years ago, I, I, that question first popped into my mind, or I read it somewhere or something, and it really kind of said, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. I've thought about being grateful for other people, but is anybody thankful for me? Am I living my life in such a way so that when people think about me, 
you know, it brings a smile or it brings some joy or they're glad they know me. I mean, certainly people you know, you want them uh, to be grateful for you. But, but what about the people that maybe don't know your name, but you see them fairly regularly? Maybe it's a, a server at a restaurant or the, the banker, if you're still going to your bank or, you know, the lady at, well, I don't even know if most places don't even have people at checkout anymore. <laughs> you know, you, got, you do your own self-serve checkout. But, you know, the, the people that you see on a fairly regular basis, they may not know your name, but when they see you, are they happy to see you? I mean, you know that there are people in your life that when you see them coming, you think, oh, no, my day was going so well. Yeah. And then there are other people that you see, I am so glad to see you. I always feel better after having seen you. Let's, let's live our lives in such a way so that people are thankful for us. And by the way, a sub point to that, when people express appreciation to you when they thank you accept it you know that's hard for a lot of people to do to accept a thank you you know we we want to say oh that was nothing you know it's like the the preacher at the end of the service and the lady said that was a good sermon preacher and he said well you know just thank the lord and she said well it wasn't that good <laughs> so you know you know we but it's okay to just say thank you you know i appreciate that uh, you know, it's hard sometimes to receive gratitude, but just say, you know, you're welcome. I appreciate, you know, your comments. Thank you for noticing whatever it is, because when we deflect praise, oh, that was nothing. We actually steal a blessing from the person who's trying to express gratitude. And so ask yourself, is anybody thankful for me? And then the second thing is be grateful for those who bring you joy. How can we thank God enough for you in return for the joy that we have because of you? We need to develop in our lives what you hear preached about Thanksgiving all the time, the attitude of gratitude. But we really do. We need to, if we're going to really live, and if we're going to be able to stand firm in our faith, we need to develop a gratitude for the people in our lives who bring us joy. And I want to sit here for three or four minutes because uh, I, I've been hearing about this from, some, from other sources as I've been reading and studying. You know, think about people who have helped you. Specific things, if you can. People who have helped you. It might have been a long-term person in your life, or it might have been somebody that you just had a very brief but significant encounter with. And, and if you can't really bring to mind people who've helped you, start by thinking about people that when you were young, you liked to be around. Maybe as a child, you liked to be around those people. Maybe it was a favorite grandparent. Maybe it was a special cousin. Maybe it was a favorite teacher who took a little extra time with you. Maybe it was a coach or a camp counselor. Somebody that when you think back over your life, and, and you start to think about some of those distant memories, think, man, that was a good person. You know, or that, that I really enjoyed being around them. You know, what, what I'm trying to say is kind of prime the pump of your gratitude. Um, you know, just, just think about people through your life that had a positive influence. Again, 
whether they were a long-term person in your life, like hopefully maybe a parent was a person like that, or whether it was just, you know, it was a camp counselor for a week or a coach I had for a season or whatever it is, and, and start to reflect on some particularly meaningful interactions and events that made you feel positive, that made you feel loved, that made you feel encouraged. What about people who helped you in your spiritual journey, who have helped you draw closer to God? It might not be somebody that was in your life long term. It may not even be somebody you know. It might be somebody that wrote a book you read, or somebody that preached a sermon you heard online, or somebody that wrote a song that has been really beneficial to you. They don't have to be people you've met, but just start to think about things and people that have impacted you. And if it's possible, reach out to them. I Sometimes I was thinking about some, some illustrations and I had to cut some of them out, but I, I was thinking about some things in, in my life and I just kind of shake my head. So I can't believe I did that, you know. Uh, but years ago, I read a book by Joe Aldrich called Lifestyle Evangelism. He was at the time the president of Multnomah Bible College. If you've heard me since I read that book preach or teach on evangelism, so much of what is my theory and philosophy of evangelism can be traced back to that book. One of the most impactful books I've ever read. It, like He's got a slogan in it called Barbecue First. You know, he says, before you go talking to your neighbors about coming to church, just have a barbecue. Get to know them first. You know, just, but, but Lifestyle Evangelism was the name of the book. He was at a seminar that I attended. And, uh, you know, after those seminars, you know, sometimes the speakers will kind of hang around and people gather around them and they just start to chat and pick their brain and ask them questions and, and all those kind of things. And, and I eased up to that group. And in a lull in the conversation, I, I just said to him, thank you for lifestyle evangelism. It set me free. And everybody in that group said, me too, me too. You know, and, and to see the look on his face as that group of pastors and, and Christian leaders affirmed the impact of his book, you'd have thought he had never heard anybody ever say thank you to him. And it's like, man. And, and then a few years later, I was at a seminar, and one of the speakers was a pastor of a church that at the time was running well over 10,000 people a weekend in the church services. And he talked about how discouraged he was and how much he had doubts. And he said, when I get a note of encouragement, it makes my day. And I thought, good night. Can't you walk out on your platform and see, you know, thousands of people? That doesn't encourage you. And it just hit me. Everybody needs encouragement. And so if it's a book you've read, you know, find the authors, just send it to his publishing house. Or, you know, some of the authors will have, boy, you know, here's how to get in contact with me. Drop them a note. Of course, now it's easier because most people have emails or, you know, a way to get in touch with them. Or you could, you know, 
post something on Facebook and tag him. Or, you know, just a way to express appreciation. A song that has ministered to you in difficult times. Try to find out who wrote it. Send them a note. Just want you to know how much that song ministered to us in a dark time. I, I follow several uh, gospel groups, and it's interesting how many times they'll say, it meant so much to us when this person came up to us and told us how much that song ministered to them in the darkest time of their lives. Learn to express gratitude for the people who have brought you joy. Let's be honest. The more you complain, the more you find to complain about. <laughs> you know what it's like when you're, you're, you're shopping for a car and there's a used car and it looks pretty nice and you get up close to it. Oh, there's a ding here and there's a ding there. And then pretty soon you see everything in the world wrong with that car. It's true in life. If you start complaining, you will find a bunch. Let's be real. There's a bunch of stuff to complain about. But it's also true that the more you express gratitude, the more you find for which to be grateful. Years ago at, uh, at the hospital, they had a guy come in and talk on customer service. His name was Ken Staver. Absolutely the best session I have ever heard on customer service. And he had a free newsletter, still does, you can find him online, free newsletter about once a week or so. And, and in, in one of his newsletters, he says, I am developing what I'm calling the Roped Club, R-O-P-E-D stands for recognize one person every day. And he said, what I want to do is start a revival of gratitude and expressing appreciation. And he says, here's how you do it. Make it specific. You know, make sure that it's about something that they did and be specific about it. You know, there's a whole lot of difference between, ah, oh, thank you for whatever, and I really appreciate this specific thing, this specific thing. Gratitude means more when it's specific. Then make sure it's appreciative. Make sure that you express the fact that this mattered to you, that it made your event more pleasing or whatever. Make it personal. Make sure they know it's connected to them and, and it was something they did personally that made a difference in that. And then make it immediate. You know, as soon as you can, express that appreciation. I just think that may be helpful to help build into our lives that lifestyle of being grateful for those who brought us joy. So if you're going to stand firm in your faith, if you're going to really live, be grateful. The second thing is pray. Verses 10 and 11. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Pray. Make it constant. He said night and day. You know, praying is most effective when it's not hit and miss. You know, in chapter 5, when we get to 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, pray without ceasing. 
Here he says, night and day, I'm praying for you. Stay in touch with God. Make it intense. We pray most earnestly for you. Now, praying constantly doesn't mean that you walk around with your eyes closed and your head bowed. You're going to bump into a bunch of walls and people are going to think something else is wrong. Um, but it means just to stay in an at attitude, an atmosphere of prayer. Maybe you do that. I encourage you to. I mean, just uh, an ongoing, running conversation with God through your day. Man, God, that's, you know, it's a pretty weather today. That sky is so blue. You know, it, it, it's nice today. Or, Lord, thank you for the rain. My plants really needed the rain. Or there's a parking place by the front door. And I know I'm supposed to park at the end of the parking lot and walk, but I don't feel like walking. It's so nice that there's a space right by the door. You know, haven't you ever been in a rush and you needed milk or something and you had to stop at the store? There was a parking space right up front. You walked right in. They had what you wanted. The checkout line was open. You didn't have any problems checking out. And you got back to your car in about five minutes. You say, thank you, Lord. You know, I, need, I needed that today, right? You know, just learn to develop that constant, ongoing, on-running communication with God. However, there are times when you need to be more intense than that. He says, we pray most earnestly for you. There are prayers that you can pray driving up and down Washington Road. But there are times when your prayer needs more focus than that and more attention than that. And if you're praying about some major concern in your life or the life of one of your children or something, probably at best not do that, you know, driving down the road. There, there are times when it's like, I need to get away, I need to get in a place, and I need to more earnestly pray. And then, and I don't know, maybe you've heard me say this before, I, I haven't heard too many people say this, pray for what you want. Now, so many times we preachers say, oh, all you people that just praying for what you want, praying selfish prayers, it's terrible, don't pray for what you want. Well, if your prayer is, Lord, bless me and my wife and our son John and his wife, us four, no more, well then, yeah, maybe you need to check your motivation in your prayer. But it's okay to pray for what you want. Look at what he says. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again. And in verse 11 he says, May God clear the way. Remove the hindrances, remove the obstacles, so that I can come to you. He's saying, I want to see you again. I want to get back to Thessalonica. And he was praying for what he wanted. That's okay. You know, in James, James says, you have not because you ask not. And there are many times in my prayers where I say, Lord, if this is one of those you have not because you ask not, I'm asking. It's okay to ask for what you want. It's okay to say, Lord, I'd really like it. You know, what Paul is saying is, Lord, I'd appreciate it if you'd make it possible for me to get back to Thessalonica. I'd like to see my friends back there again. It's okay to pray for what you want. Just make sure 
that at the end of it is, but not my will, thine be done. Jesus prayed for what he wanted in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Father, I would just as soon not have to go through these next couple of days. I would just as soon not have to be beaten and whipped and, and put through the mockery of a trial and the humiliation and the suffering of crucifixion. I'd just soon not have to go through that. I'd like my mama not to have to see that happen. I'd like my disciples to not have to see this happen. Lord, if it's possible. He prayed for what he wanted. But he closed it with, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So I just want to encourage you. There's some things in your life, probably as parents, most of them have to do with your children. <laughs> but there are things in your life that you would like to see happen. It's okay to pray for them. Don't feel like you're selfish when you pray for them. Lord, if this is you have not because you ask not, I'm asking that they get that promotion or I'm asking that they get that house or whatever it is. But Lord, you know things I don't know. So nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It, it'll release your praying when you realize God does know things we don't know. And it's okay to pray. It's okay to pray for what you want. Just realize God may know that there's a reason why he may not answer that prayer. And ultimately our will is surrendered to his. So pray for what you want and then pray for effective ministry. He said, I, I'm praying so that I can come see you and supply what is lacking in your faith. In other words, he's saying, it's not just I want to come see you because I do. But I also want to supply, King James says, perfect what's lacking in your faith. In other words, I want to have effective ministry with you. In another place, Paul said, pray that there will be an open door that I'll be able to effectively minister. The word supply or perfect there means to adjust or furnish. It was used of setting a bone that was broken it was used by fishermen of mending holes in their nets. And let's just stop for a minute and realize there are things lacking in our faith too, right? I mean, none of us has perfect faith. We go from faith to faith, from one level of faith to another level of faith. But there will always be gaps in our faith. We, we will always need some faith adjustment. We will always at times need our faith reset. Or mended. You know, let God mend our faith. And of course, the main way you do that, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 13. But Paul is praying, God, give me an effective ministry. Help me to be able to mend what's broken in their faith. And just yesterday, it kind of hit me. We need to pray for that for ourselves. Lord, give me an effective ministry. Say, well, of course you need to pray for that. You're a pastor. You're a healthcare chaplain. You need to pray that. We all need to pray that. Lord, give me an effective ministry. Help me today to be able to minister for you. Help me today that the people that I see, the, the people that I interact with, that may have a need in their life, that I will be able, unknowingly maybe, but I'll be able to speak a word 
that will encourage them? That something in the way I treat them will make a difference in them? Help me as I go through my day to be an effective minister for you. Look at your life that way. Lord, This today, help me to minister for you. Help me to be effective. Help me, maybe I've found some people in my life today that their faith is broken or there's a big gap in it. Help me be able to help fix their faith. Help me to be able to mend their faith. Somebody said, here's what he's praying. God, my brothers and sisters are in a great spiritual battle. I pray they will be fully equipped for whatever they might face. Grant them strong faith with no gaps so they can stand and fight victoriously no matter how hot the battle may be. I like that. Ray Pritchard put it this way. Think about this for a moment. You are where you are today because somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed and you came to Christ. Somebody prayed and you found a job. Somebody prayed and you were healed. Somebody prayed and you were rescued in the middle of the night. Somebody prayed and your marriage was saved. Somebody prayed and you said no to temptation. Somebody prayed and you didn't give up. Somebody prayed and you made the right decision. Somebody prayed and you experienced God's power. Don't overlook the power of prayer to stand firm in your faith and really live. Third, and I know this is going a little bit long, so I'm going to kind of try to speed up a little bit. Live a life of love. In verse 12, he says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. And I tried to do a word study of the difference between the word increase and the word overflow. And pretty much every Greek scholar, every commentator said, I don't know the difference. They seem to be synonyms. And they really do. Um, the only way that you could maybe differentiate is increase seems to be the process of your love growing. And overflow is kind of like the result of your love growing. But what he's saying is, may your love increase and overflow. Overflow what? Into action, right? Because love is something you do. And he says, I want your love to increase and overflow first for each other. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Do good, especially to those of the household of faith. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he talks about your love toward one another. And then love for everyone else. You know, the mark of a Christian is love. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And I found this acronym for love that I think is helpful. Listen. Really listen. Somebody said, anybody can be a heart specialist. It just takes a listening ear. <laughs> listen. Overlook. You know, if you love somebody, you overlook some of their faults and their mistakes. Value. Value them for who they are, not for what they do for you. And then express that appreciation. We talked about that earlier. You know, say, oh, they know I appreciate them. No, they don't. You know, express it. 
Fourth, if you're going to really live, if you're going to stand firm in the Lord, let God strengthen your heart. Now, your heart, of course, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And I toyed toward the end of the week of just letting these last three points be a separate sermon. But, uh, and may still, I don't know, but just briefly this morning. Let God strengthen your heart. And what's interesting is that this comes from our love increasing and overflowing. It says, may your love increase and overflow, and may he strengthen your hearts. And I got thinking about that. As we love one another, and our love is overflowing, there is an atmosphere created that brings healing and encouragement and strength. I mean, you know, when you're around people that love you, you, you feel better. You know, your mind is clearer. You're not saying, oh, I wonder what's going on next, you know. Your mind is sharper. Your will is stronger. Your emotions are more controlled because you're in an atmosphere of love. And that's what the church is supposed to be. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. An environment of overflowing, overwhelming love. I mean, through the years, we've seen people come in here with walls up and barriers up because they've been church hurt, bad church hurt. They didn't need another sermon. They didn't need hands laid on. They just need people to love them. And it's been wonderful to watch as they keep coming back and coming back and coming back, those walls begin to go down because they realize this is a safe place. People love me here. I can relax here. It's a wonderful testimony to the love of God. Our families should be places like that. You know, our atmosphere ourselves should be like that. As we overflow in love, we create an atmosphere of healing and strength. And he says, let God strengthen your heart. And then he says, may he strengthen your heart so that you will live a holy life and you'll be blameless and holy. Holy is you have a right relationship with God. Blameless is our relationship with other people. Now notice he says, blameless and holy in the presence of God. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that this word blameless, Paul uses it quite a bit, does not mean that nobody's going to accuse you of anything. I mean, <laughs> you read Paul's letters, he has a, this person came after me, this person came after me, this person came after me. He had a lot of people come after him. So it doesn't mean nobody's ever going to say something bad about you. What it blameless means is that it won't stick. It means that people will say, no, 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 no. It, you know, you've heard a rumor about somebody and you thought, well, you know, maybe that's true. Or you heard a rumor about somebody and said, nah, ain't no way that's true. I know that person. They don't do that. And, and what Paul is saying is live your life in such a way so that people who know you will know how you live and they will know your character and integrity. Ultimately, it will only happen when Christ comes back. But in the meantime... Let's live a life of gratitude. Let's up our praying for one another. Let's ask God to increase our love. So that somebody said this, love them till they ask why. <laughs> Just show God's love so your heart will be strengthened 
and your life will be above reproach and God will be glorified. Father, there's a whole lot of people in our world today that are just barely existing. And the devil's having a heyday even with people of faith. So I pray, Lord, that somehow the truth of this passage will cause us to really live. Paul's writing this when he's going through persecution and they're going through persecution, but yet he says, because you're standing firm in the Lord, we really live. So Lord, may we who call ourselves by your name be people who stand firm in you and really live in the midst of all of the aggravations and frustrations and uncertainty of this world. We remember this world is not our home. We really are just passing through. And may we keep our focus on you so that our lives will radiate the love and the joy and the peace that comes from knowing Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. You're dismissed.